Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We podcast a Bible study for all those who cannot be with us in person, and certainly for those who are listening in other parts of the country and around the world, every Wednesday evening. It's posted at this time, 6.30 local time, Omaha, Nebraska, and that's the time that we come together as a congregation at the church building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ to have our midweek Bible classes. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person, study God's word with us, grow spiritually with us, grow in our faith, and check us out. Get to know us. Let us get to know you. But again, we know there are people even in our area who cannot be with us physically. And certainly there are people who listen across the country and around the world. And we're thankful to be able to have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts. So we're thankful that you're there and that you want to learn more from God's Word. You want to be in Bible study. And we're thankful that God has blessed us to be able to be in Bible study with you, to help you understand God's Word more fully, more deeply, more accurately. Now, again, if you're in the Omaha area, come and be with us in person. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. And then Sunday evening, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening. And then on Wednesday evenings, as I've said, 6.30 every Wednesday evening, we come together for midweek Bible classes. That's a good time right in the middle of the week to kind of stop and get our spiritual batteries recharged, so to speak, as we keep saying. And so we'd love to see you, love to get to know you and let you get to know us. Now, we want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. There are people in your life, almost without question, almost undoubtedly, who need to get into God's Word. And you know a number of these. You know, you're probably shaking your head right now, at least in your mind. Yeah, yeah, I know so-and-so or so-and-so. Yeah, they need to get into God's Word. They need to grow in their faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Share these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody grow in their faith. You may help somebody come closer to God. You may help somebody get to heaven by getting them into these studies. What a great blessing for them and for you. We also encourage you to tell everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our our podcasting, they will receive to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or whatever other device they choose, computer, laptop, pad, whatever, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures. But also, they will receive seven days a week a short Bible class, a short Bible study called Today's Bible Class. 
only about 13 or so minutes each day, but it keeps them in God's Word and thereby, again, helps us to stay strong in our faith and even grow stronger. So share with everybody you can these studies and tell everybody you can to sign up for our podcasting at churchofchrist.com. We're going to get back into our study from 1 John, and we are gradually, and we're taking our time in this study, as we have been doing for years now, working through the different letters, a number of the different letters in the New Testament, a number of those from the Apostle Paul, or by the Apostle Paul, all of these are from God, they're his inspired word, and Paul was the penman for a number of those. We looked at James, also a different penman, and then First and Second Peter, another apostle who wrote down a couple of books of Scripture. And here we've been in First John, First John, and we've noted some of the parallels between the emphasis of John, the gospel account according to John, and First John, this first inspired letter by the apostle John. Now again, John was simply writing God's word. John was simply the penman. The word is from God. As the Apostle Paul stated in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by, the, by inspiration of God. And in the Greek, that literally means all scripture is God-breathed. And the sense being, all scripture is God's very word. Well, here in 1 John chapter 5, we looked at the first few verses last time, and I want to go back and just read those for the sake of continuity and then move on to verse 4. John wrote, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, as we've emphasized in our studies on through these podcasts and not just uh, the Wednesday night and Sunday morning Bible classes, but through Search the Scriptures, through today's Bible class, through sermons, a whole lot of people, they think that believing intellectually, agreeing, making some kind of statement, yes, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus, uh, I love God, I believe in God, that that's somehow sufficient for their having true saving faith. And so what we need to understand is when John says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, inherent within that understanding of believing is a belief that leads the person to action in obedience. So we must not just say, oh, I believe, and expect some kind of warm, fuzzy feeling because I've said, I've said something verbally, I believe in Jesus as the Son of God. Well, that's a good start, but that's just the start. You need to believe to the point of obeying Remember, Jesus said in John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, keep my commandments. And then he repeated that in verse 21. He repeated it in verse 24, uh, verse 23, and he repeated it in reverse order in verse 24. He emphasized several times within just a few verses of scripture that true love for him is going to be obedient love. And so true faith in Christ, saving faith, is going to be obedient faith, dedicated faith, committed on a daily, ongoing basis throughout your life. So whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this we know the love, by this we know 
that, the, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Again, John comes back to this theme, or maybe we should say just continues in this theme, that loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, true Christians, is part of God's commandments for us as Christians. We're to love God, yes, but notice how John puts it here in verse 1 again. Everyone who loves him who begot, that would be God, he brought to life all those who live in a physical existence because he created man, going back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. He created man into God's own image with a soul, having a, a spiritual identity as well as a physical being, physical body. And so whoever, uh, everyone who loves him who begot, that would be God, also loves him who is begotten of him. Well, now, we could say in the ultimate sense, that would be Christ. Because Jesus said in John, 13, uh, John uh, 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so in the ultimate application, we could say, if you truly believe in God, If you truly love God, then you're going to love Jesus as well. You're going to love his son, his only begotten son, in that ultimate sense. But also, then John goes on and and he further highlights, or maybe we should say kind of uh, broadens this application in the next verse, verse 2, when he says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Now, who are the children of God? Some would say... Let's all mankind. We hear that. I think we hear that a lot from people who really don't know the scriptures very well at all. When you go back to Romans chapter 8, and you also look at uh, Galatians chapter 4, you, you see the most important sense of, of uh, being the family of God, being the children of God. You, you look at, at, at those texts of Scripture, and it talks about how God adopts the person into his family. Now, if we're all children of God, then why would God adopt us into his family? Now, I've made this point many, many times over many, many years of teaching and preaching. You don't adopt your own children. You adopt children who are not your own children. Now, we speak about that from the biological sense, but that's how we understand adoption. And so in these texts, it talks about when a person becomes a true Christian through Jesus Christ, having been baptized into Christ, Romans chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, for the remission of sins, that is to have his sins forgiven, Acts 2 and verse 38, Acts 22 and verse 16. Coming into Christ, again, Romans 6 and verse 3, Galatians 3 and verse 27, both texts tell us we're baptized into Christ. And then at that point, having been born of the water and the Spirit, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, that person is reborn spiritually. 
as Paul put it in Galatia, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, that person has become a new creation from a spiritual perspective, a new person spiritually. And so when we look here in John chapter 5 and verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God, we're talking about our fellow true Christians, those who have truly become Christians according to the plan that God has laid out in the scriptures, which we just kind of summarized quickly. When we love God and keep his commandments. So we love God, loving God truly means I'm going to be obedient to God's commandments. And John keeps highlighting one of those commandments is that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that goes all the way back to Jesus giving that commandment in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Verse 3 of 1 John chapter 5, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Again, a whole lot of people mouth love for God, but they don't really demonstrate that love for God in the way they live their lives, because they're not living by his commandments or his teachings. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, John wrote, for whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Our being obedient to God's teachings is evidence of our truly being with God, with God and in Christ. And so we cannot just mouth you know, good-sounding, high-sounding, spiritual-sounding words and statements without backing it up with obedience. Again, very clear in verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, that last statement, his commandments are not burdensome, that needs to be read and, and grasped by everybody. Because there are a whole lot of people who think, oh, it's just too hard to live the Christian life. I, I, just too hard. I can't, I can't live by those teachings. Is God a liar here? John's writing God's word when he says his commandments are not burdensome. You need to stop letting the devil deceive you and delude you into thinking that it's too hard to live by the teachings of God's word. No, God says right here, his commandments are not burdensome. Now let's go on to verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Again, belief put into action through obedience and commitment that is evident in the lifestyle that we live as a true Christian, an obedient Christian, in Christ. Now, notice verse 4 there again. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. What did Jesus say again in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5? Except a man be born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, notice in verse 3, though, of John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he explains in verse 5, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
in baptism, as one is plunged beneath those waters, buried with our Lord in baptism. Again, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. And then comes up out of that watery grave, resurrected. His sins were washed away as he was plunged beneath those waters. He died to that old lifestyle of sin and all of its guilt. He was forgiven by the blood that Jesus shed on the Christ, cleansed by that blood. And as he comes up, he comes up a new creation spiritually. Again, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Born again. John chapter 3, verse 3. So here, John the Apostle writes in verse 4, whoever is born of God and over, born of God overcomes the world. Overcomes the world. Overcomes the world. What does that mean? Is the world against that person? Is the world somehow the enemy? Well, in the sense that the world is under the sway of the devil, that's Scripture. Yes, the world is the enemy. A worldly lifestyle. Now, we must overcome the world. And how does John say that we do that? What is the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. Our faith. In Psalm Psalm 27 and verse 1, the psalmist wrote this. Psalm 27 and verse 1. And let me get back there. The psalmist wrote this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Well, we might look around us in the world as we live in this physical existence, and we say, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on that uh, it, it makes me afraid at times. You know, for my well-being, my physical well-being, things, violence going on, robberies, muggings, hatred abounds, and boy, hatred abounds in our country today, in our culture. And, and so we say, you know, there are things that, that we have to be careful of. Well, what does the psalmist say? The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my strength, is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, I, I've said a number of times in teaching, I I have, uh, I'm, I'm one of five siblings, and I came along way late in my parents' life, and so I was raised almost as an only child, because almost all of my siblings, you know, were either grown by that time or close to it, and and I barely remember any of them still being in the house as I was even just a little kid. But the, the one who is is still the one who is closest to me as far as age is concerned. He's 13 years older than I am, but yeah, he was a tough guy. He was a, you know, member of the 101st Airborne, screaming eagle, jumped out of airplanes, parachuted, but he was a tough guy growing up before he ever joined the army. And I always looked at him as, as, you know, a tough guy, you know, by somebody who could, who could protect me if I needed protection. Now, again, he was pretty much gone from the household by the time I can remember much, but I still saw him as that. And as a young little boy growing up, I looked up to him greatly as that, that strong, tough guy, protector, if I needed him to be my protector. Well, but he was still... He was still a human being. He was still physical. 
my greatest protector is God. If I'm walking with him through Jesus Christ in faithful obedience, then God is my protector. How do I overcome the world with all of its dangers, with all that the devil throws at me through his influence upon people living worldly lives? I can hold on to God's hand. James wrote in James chapter 4 and verse 7, submit to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. And then he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The Apostle Paul wrote in, James, in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, and this is one highlighted section, if you want to look at it that way, from the list of spiritual armor that Paul says that God provides for us if we will walk with him in faithful obedience. In, verse, in chapter 6 and verse uh, 16, he says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, our faith in God, when it is strong, when it is dedicated and committed and consistent, then Paul says, whatever the devil throws at us, and that's, you know, fiery darts, that's, you know, kind of poetic, illustrative language that, that's talking about all the temptations, all the trials, all the tribulations, everything the devil can try to use against us. Paul says, you just hold up your faith as a shield, and it can fend off all that the devil try, will try to throw at you by way of trying to bring you down spiritually, pull you away from God, pull you out of faithfulness. So John says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Where does faith come from? We say it all the time, don't we? On these, in these studies, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 10, uh, Romans 10 and verse 17. We look at the fourth chapter of 1 John in verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Well, God is greater than the devil. As much power as the devil has, he does not have power that begins to compare with God. And so God has the power to see us through if we will just stay true to him, walk with him in faithful obedience on a consistent basis. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, the, Peter wrote, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So how do we overcome the devil? How do we overcome the world, which is basically the playground or the workshop of the devil? Through faith in God and Christ, walking with them consistently in faithful obedience. And that faith and of course, that faith is coupled with God, that faith will see us through. And through that faith, we will, we will be victorious. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 6, the Hebrews writer wrote, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, what can the devil do to me if the Lord is my helper? As long as I hold on to God's hand in faithful obedience consistently, God will never let go of mine. And we can, we can be confident. We can be confident 
that we will have the victory. In fact, that we already have the victory. And in prospect, the ultimate victory, and that's eternal life with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In Romans chapter 8, we look at verses 31 and 32. Now, you can read the fuller context there and perhaps get an even greater appreciation as you look at it in more detail. But in verses 31 and 32, Paul wrote, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Wow. If God is for us, I talked about my big brother there, screaming eagle, airborne, tough guy, does not begin to compare to the strength and power of God to protect us from all evil, from all evil. John, as we looked at earlier in this particular study of 1 John, beginning with verse 15 of chapter 2, he said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is, but is of the world. And verse 17, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. As long as I walk with God, in faithful obedience, consistently, I will overcome the world. God has already promised me that. My faith in Christ, my faith in God, will give me victory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse, and verse uh, 57, the Apostle Paul wrote this, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I need to pay attention to my faith in God, my faith in Christ. That faith will see me through. Again, faith is the victory. Faith comes by studying God's Word, understanding it, believing it and making the proper applications to our lives on a daily basis. How the world, how our country, how humanity as a whole needs to understand this and be diligent students of God's Word. No wonder the Apostle Paul wrote, study or be diligent to present yourself approved unto God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, God's word. We'll move on next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us your word to guide us in your will and also to guide us into soul-saving faith, obedient faith, strengthening faith, protecting faith, all through you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you for giving us 
your word to help us develop, grow, and stay strong in that saving faith. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.